Shout out to Gavi. Shout out to that new Gavi. I feel like a DJ right now. I should get my microphone out. I feel like a DJ right now. Like Woody Woods over here at Pastor Dunn's church on Sunday after service. So this is, this is the one thing I do like about, um, I miss everybody. I miss everybody a lot. Like it's weird coming in on Sundays and not seeing people. But it's one of those um, exciting things. Like, I get to come in here. I bump whatever music I want to pre-service. Some of y'all probably just be like, oh, what's happening? But that's one of my highlights of what we actually get to do here on Sunday since there's nobody here with us. But I'm thankful and excited um, that we get to celebrate Easter Sunday. It has been a weird um, weekend, I think, because we're very conditioned as the church to look forward to the production of Sunday morning service. You know, you may have an Easter play, the bunny comes out, you put the big cross up, you do a, a big production. But I think it's exciting for us to be able to get back to some of the basic roots and say, would we still celebrate Jesus Christ and the resurrection from our home with our family members? Um, it was exciting yesterday as I was sitting in my studio room and I was um, in there with Lauren and Naomi and KK and I'm just sitting back thinking to myself, a year ago, we started our first Sunday morning services here at Risen City. We didn't have any kids. We didn't have anything. And to kind of look back on what has happened in a year, you know, we're sitting here with two kids at our house. We're just tremendously blessed. And I'm, I'm thankful for where God has brought us. Even in the midst of something like a national crisis, we can still look at the resurrection and know that God is faithful to us. And it's the exciting part to know that he gave everything for us. So let's give everything that we have today in praise and worship to God. Amen. There's nobody here. I'm going to keep saying amen all day long. I'm going to keep doing my thing. But um, that's the exciting part. If you are watching, we are going to take communion today. Um, I've got my, my bread and my juice here. If you have animal crackers, you got Cheez-Its, you got some Doritos. You got some cranberry juice. Hey, you got some Capri Suns. My dude Ethan was like, I'm going to have a diet, um, the Coke Zero, whatever you got, whatever you want to do. We're going to um, take some time today at the end of the service to, to honor God in our communion from our homes. I believe this will be a great opportunity for you and your family and friends to, um, and your household to be able to take this together. So, amen. The, the sermon today is going to be from Luke we're going to start in chapter 23. We're going to go all the way to 24. I'm not going to kind of exposit on a lot of stuff. I want to preach and teach on some specific aspects of the resurrection, um, the crucifixion, and things that happened before that. As I was titling this message, um, it kind of came to me and it, and it made me think about what would you kind of title this uh, Easter message. This is my second Easter sermon that I've had to do. Um, and shout out to the people who are first year pastors who are preaching an Easter sermon to nobody. God bless. I know that's hard for y'all. Pastor Shiloh uh, Collins, he's been one of my good friends. I've been watching him and I keep track on him. We communicate. I was watching his Facebook Live last week. He said, listen, it's going to be a challenging time for pastors because it's just you, the camera, and the Holy Spirit. A lot of us, we make the claims that we'll preach to an empty room. Well, listen, we're preaching to empty rooms right now. But I pray that we remembering that we're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we do so today with 
fervor, with reverence to God, and we do so in the understanding that it can bring about salvation even through the internet. Amen. Amen. So the scripture that we're going to be reading from is from Luke 23, the 32 through 55, and then we're going to skip on to 24, 1 through 35. But the title of this sermon text is A Risen King. So it's um, called A Risen King, and we are a redeemed people, and we are a risen city. When you look through the, the events that have happened before we get to Jesus Christ taking the cross and taking, the crucif taking this for our crucifixion, we look at kind of recapping what has happened here. We see that last Sunday, which would have been Palm Sunday, um, Jesus Christ came in with his triumphant entry. He came in on a young colt on a donkey and they were singing Hosanna. Everyone was getting lit doing the milli wop. They was getting hyped for Jesus. They're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. And we see how quickly what a week can do and how a week can change in all this. So Jesus goes forth and he clears out the temple for a second time. And he goes in and he starts teaching about the kingdom of God. He starts teaching and he starts defending his authority as the son of man and as the son of God, which is ultimately what was his destruction from the Pharisees and the Sadducees who called blasphemy for what he was calling himself, which he was only doing his true work. So then we see that he takes some personal time and he teaches with his disciples and gives some intimate teaching. Then we see that he does the Passover meal and he implements the Lord's Supper. But before this, he also sends off Judas to go out to do the work and he knows that he's going to be betrayed. After this, he goes to the garden and he, ag he just has this depth of agony and pain and knowing what's going to happen. He knows that he has to take the cup of the crucifixion and he's agonizing over this as, as his humanity. He's knowing that it's going to be painful, but he also says, God, let this cup not pass of me. He knows that he is going to take it for our sake, not of his own good sake, for self-preservation. Then Judas comes and betrays him. He's taken to the council and they ask him, are you the son of man? And he replies back with, as you say, I am. So then they charge him with blasphemy and they take him to Pilate. And Pilate asks him the same question. He asks him in a different kind of tone. He says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies back in this moment. He says, you have said so. So he kind of is like, I don't want to have to deal with this because he's an innocent man. So he sends him off to Herod. And Herod goes out and he sends him, he looks at him, and he degrades him, he mocks him as Jesus won't respond to him. They put these robes of, quote, royalty on him, and they send him back to Pilate. And Pilate is saying, I don't want to kill this man. But he sees the pressure from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jewish people. He doesn't want this uprising and this up-revolt. So he sends him back out and he says, I'm going to punish him and release him. But the people, they cry out, release Barabbas, the murderer, the man who has killed people and called insurrections in the city. So Pilate gives over and gives them over to crucify Jesus Christ. So we see here in Luke 23, 32 through 56, it's a long scripture, but I want to take time to honor the word and to read it. So we're going to read this now together. If you're reading at home, I'm going to start in verse 32 from ESV. And it says this, Two others who were criminals were led away, to be put to death with him, Jesus Christ. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they, were crucif they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right side and one on his left side. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, 
his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription put over him. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanging, who had been hanged, railed on him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. By the other rebuked him. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do, not, do you not fear God, since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied back and said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Verse 44. It was now the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn into two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice and he said, Father, unto you, I commit my spirit. And having saying this, he breathed his last breath. Now, when the centurion saw this and what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled to the spectacle, when they saw what had happened and taken place, they returned home beating on their chest. And all his acquaintances and all the women who had followed him from Galilee stood from a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Aramaeth, and he was a member of the council, a good and a righteous man who had not considered their decisions and their actions. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and he wrapped it in linen and he shrouded it and laid him in the tomb of cut stone where no one had ever been laid before. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with him to Galilee followed and saw the tomb where they had laid his body. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath. They rested according to the commandment. Chapter 24, verse 1. But on the following day, the first day of the week, the early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the tomb that was rolled away. The stone was rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not see or find the body of Jesus Christ. While they were perplexed about this, two men stood with them, by them, dazzling in apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their heads to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered the words and they returned to the tomb. They told all around them and all the other eleven and the rest of them what had happened. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanne and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them, who had told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them like idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose, and he ran from the tomb, and he stooped, and he looked inside, and he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at these things. We're going to take a minute to pray. God, we thank you for your resurrection power. We thank you for the spirit that God put upon you. And with thankfulness, we're thankful for your faith and the knowledge that when you committed your hands to God, it was you saying that you have faith and trust unto God that he would not leave you in the tomb. 
God, I'm thankful for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. That even in the midst of the lives and the situations that we are going on right now, whether we are abundantly blessed in our lives, whether we are in a place of brokenness, God, I pray that we recognize you for who you are the risen King, our Savior, our Lord of Lords. And today, even if we're at our homes in our sweatpants and we're hanging out watching on Facebook Live, that we glorify you for the God that you are because you are worthy of all praise. You laid down your life for us. And I pray that as we go through this sermon and as we live out our lives and as we go forth into our next days that we lay down our lives as a holy sacrifice to our brothers and sisters and those who are around us as you did. God, I pray today that you empower all of us as we know that most of us would be in a fellowship with other believers on Easter. We know that isolation can be hard. And we know that the enemy attacks in these moments and times, but I pray that, God, we continue to turn to you. We continue to know as we are by ourselves, or we got 50 billion kids in our house who are annoying the crap out of us. God, we turn to you because you are our salvation, you are our comfort, and you are our grace. And I pray today that you help us in every aspect of our lives to continue to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. We see a couple of things here. I want to point on kind of two themes. As I was reading through this and I'm reading this book of Luke, it starts off with Jesus going to the cross and being crucified with two criminals. And then as we finish up and we'll start to read here later on in, in chapter 24, we'll start in verse 13. It also talks about how in this testimony of the gospel, his next interaction happens to be with two disciples and two followers. I want us to remember today that no matter what place you are in life, whether you feel like you're, you're broken with God, you feel as though you're far away, you feel as though your life is in shambles or a mess, you feel as though as nothing is just coming together, you can still turn to Christ for your salvation. And also in your life as you are a believer and you're following God, and this is hard times for people as they're isolated, as they're by themselves. They don't have the church to be their crutch for their faith or their life anymore. And as you are learning to build an individual relationship with God, don't turn away from God, but continue to move forward to Him and trust under Him and dig into a deeper relationship. Even when it may feel as though He is far away and you can't see Him, this is an opportunity for us to dig into a better foundation with Jesus Christ. I pray that our church, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks, that these are going to be trialing times, not because the fact that we're in isolation all the time, not because the fact that a lot of us are in our, our comfort zone in our house and stuff like that, it's because we're working, but we don't have our spiritual shepherds and leaders to be with us every single day. We don't always have the fellowship of God right beside, the fellowship of man right beside us, but you do have the fellowship of God and Jesus Christ. His same spirit that awoken him and rose him from the grave lives inside of you. And I believe that as we are going through this, there's some good spiritual disciplines that we can learn. So we see here, I'm not going to go verse by verse, but I want to recap here. It starts off in verses 32 through 38. And we see that Jesus Christ is being led to be crucified. And he is being treated as he was a criminal, as he's being crucified with two criminals. He's been degraded, he's been beaten, he's been battered, he's been bruised, he has been suffering more than any mortal man could take. But it was because of us he continued to take the cross. 
there are some affirmations that we see here. The irony of the whole situation is that you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and you have the centurions. They're all mocking Jesus Christ, but they're making confirmations as to who he is and who he said he has as he said he was coming to be. They're mocking him and they're saying, save yourself. If you've saved other people before, as we've witnessed you do, why don't you save yourself and come off that cross? They're saying to him, you're the, you're the son of God, you're the Christ, you're the chosen one, you're the king of the Jews. They're mocking him, but even in their mockery, even in their foolishness, the wisdom of God is shown. And in this moment, as they're telling him to come off of the cross and to save himself, I got to quote my dude, Dante Jackson. He said this yesterday. He would not come down from the cross. Not to save himself. He would not come down off of the cross just to save himself. But he decided to die just for you and just for me. No matter who you are, race, creed, color, culture. He saw your life and he knew that you were worth value. He knew that when we were separated from God in the Garden of Eden, He put forth the plan for salvation for you to be redeemed. And He saw worth and value unto you. When I think about Easter and I think about the celebration that we have, it's because Jesus Christ not only lived this life of perfection, showed us how to live, but he died on the cross. He took the ultimate suffering. He took the ultimate shame, but then he also got out of the grave showing the power of God to redeem us. And we then also now are commissioned to walk in that same power. But what we see here is that Jesus Christ is saying, I won't come off the cross because I see the value in my people. Today is a celebration that Jesus Christ didn't stay in the tomb but I also want to celebrate that he loves us and he cares for us. And in our love and our care that we are receiving, let us be full with the joy and the greatest blessing and the understanding that we have received salvation. We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and in the first couple chapters, we talk about the greatest blessing that we receive from God, and that blessing is salvation from God. And so many times we can take it lightly as we talk about Easter. We get caught up in the production. We get caught up in the Easter eggs. We get caught up in the baskets and we take lightly the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us. We take lightly even the fact that even as he was suffering, he was still giving salvation. In the midst of his moment when he is between these two criminals, we see here in verses 39 through 34, we see that one of the criminals starts to degrade him still, starts to mock him, starts to tell him, he says, hey, if you're the Jesus Christ, come off of this cross and save me. And in this moment, we see true repentance from a criminal. It reminds me that no matter where I'm at in my life, on my deathbed, if you have a true place and a true understanding of who Jesus Christ is and you come to true repentance, Jesus is willing to take you as you are because you were willing to show your faith in him as the risen king. He makes the first proclamation here as he's on the cross and he's saying here, do you not fear God? Do you not have honor for God, for who he is to the other prisoner? He says, since you were under the same sentence, we are both here because we're both criminals who were meant to be put to death. And he continues on, he says, we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
The prisoner is able to see what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people are not able to see. This is an innocent man. We see these proclamations that Jesus Christ is the king. He is the king of the Jews. He is the son of God. He is Christ the God. And he is also an innocent man who is taking a punishment that he should not have to have. He's making in that moment a confession of faith. As many people do throughout our years. He's making a confession of faith and saying that I know Jesus Christ was innocent, but he's dying for me. He's dying an innocent death. And in that moment, even in the midst of Jesus Christ's suffering, even in his brokenness, he is still about his father's business to bring salvation to those who are far away from him. He stops in this moment and he, he says to the other prisoner, he turns as, as the prisoner has turned to Jesus Christ physically and also spiritually in his life. Jesus Christ turns to him and he says to him, Jesus, remember, the prisoner says to him, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied back and he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be in paradise in the midst of this prisoner's brokenness. He's making a confession of faith. He is receiving redemption and forgiveness. And he now is brought into the fold of God. Jesus Christ, in the midst of his suffering, was always concerned about us to bring us into redemption. Jesus Christ, and the celebration that we have of what he's done on the cross and him rising from the grave, should quicken our mortal bodies to remember how much we are loved and we are cared about when we really understand the depth of our depravity, when we really start to understand the, the, the fullness of salvation, it'll bring you to a place of true celebration. And I pray today that we're not about the superficial celebration. We're not about just the Easter baskets. We're not about hiding the Easter eggs. But as we are in isolation, this is a moment in time when you go to God and you say, God, show me what it means individually to understand this salvation that you've given unto me and this grace and this love as I said quoted from my friend Dante Jackson from Facebook he would not come down from the cross just to save himself but he decided to die just to save me and to save you regardless of who you are regardless of wherever your life may be so we see as the story continues on Jesus Christ is still on the cross and in verse 46, he says out with a loud voice, as he's known that his mission is complete, he turns and he faces up to God. And he says to the loud voice, he says, Father, unto you I commit my hands and I commit my spirit. And having done this, he breathed his last breath. He showed that he had faith in that moment, that as he was going to die, that he was not going to be left in the tomb. As he was going away, he knew and he had faith in his father, God, that when he was going to be buried, that he was going to be resurrected also. So we see the story and we know the story as he's buried and a good man, Joseph, put him into his grave and they go back three days later. I think there's a real big value in us having three days of isolation and quiet. I think it could remind us what it was like for those three days. 2,000 some years ago. Usually we're celebrating, we're all over the place, we're at Magic Island fighting little kids for Easter eggs and stuff like that. We're at the Capitol Complex, we're over here taking pictures, we're having a jolly good old time. But I think it's good for us to remember the somberness of what the disciples were going through in this moment. They didn't know what was going to happen. 
They didn't know if Jesus Christ was, was gone. They thought he was taken away. They didn't know what was going to happen. They thought that this movement that they had saw for these three years, they thought that it was all over with and gone. I can imagine the depression and the anxiety that they felt from physically being separated from God, as many of us feel the separation from God right now. No matter where you may be, if you were broken with God, if you were blessed with God, there are moments and times when we feel this separation and this anxiety and this angst. But I want you guys to remember that they were still continuing hope and faith and that God was going to be faithful to what he said, even though they didn't know. They went to the grave and they continued to honor God and honor Jesus Christ in the midst of what was going on, even though they didn't know what was going to happen. That'll preach right there, just that in the midst of your life, are you willing to continue to follow after Jesus Christ, even when you don't know what's going to happen next? The disciples, they had been told over and over and over. Jesus had told them, even in intimate relationship, he said, listen, y'all, I am going to die. I have to die on the cross. Y'all ain't listening to me. Peter quit chopping people's ears off. He was telling them very plainly, but they weren't able to hear and they were so caught up in their mourning that they still didn't remember. But when Mary and the women had went to the tomb and they saw that Jesus Christ was gone, I could imagine the anxiety, like, who stole his body? What's going on? Who took him away? But in that moment, the angel, the messenger of the Lord, they came and they showed themselves of dazzling apparel. They said, don't be frightened. Do you not remember that Jesus Christ said, I had to do this? Do you not remember what we told you as they bowed down to the angels? He said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember, he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered his words and returning to the tomb, they told these things to the eleven. They, they remembered that he was going to be resurrected. They remembered that he was going to be brought up in that moment in time when they went and they told to other people who just didn't want to listen and hear. Now, in this moment, Jesus Christ could be frustrated, he could be aggravated, but he was still about his father's business and bringing about salvation to all men and to all women. On this time, as the angel has spoken to them, Jesus Christ was still doing work. I always find this story is kind of hilarious to me. It's kind of funny to me. I love this story, and it's only in Luke that we find verses 13 through 35 to where we see two disciples. They were walking away from Jerusalem. They had been there. They were celebrating the Passover. They saw and they were mourning that Jesus Christ had been taken away and crucified and he was put into the tomb. And they didn't see Jesus Christ actively working anymore, so they left and they went away. It was probably a very normal thing for them to do because they didn't know what was going to happen next as disciples. But I can remember just as the two criminals had turned to God, Jesus Christ was able to bring about salvation. Jesus Christ met them where they were also in this moment and brought them about to salvation because they still had work to do. Many of us, we celebrate Easter as, hey, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which it is, but also see it as a beginning point of the new covenant for us as believers to bring other people into the fold so we can do the work of bringing about salvation through Jesus Christ to our brothers and sisters. But it means that as disciples, we have to continue to maintain our relationship even when we don't see Christ active 
in our lives when it may feel as though we're by ourselves. So this is a funny story. I'm going to read it here. It's, you see these two disciples in verse 13 of chapter 24. And it says, that very day, the same day that Christ was resurrected, a Sunday like this, or whatever day of the week, it might have been on a Monday, after the Sabbath, this is what happened. It says, that very day, two men, they were going to a village named Aramaeus. About seven miles from Jerusalem, they were leaving the scene of what was going on. And they were talking to each other about the things that were happening and what had happened. And while they were discussing these things together, Jesus himself drew near to them. He met them where they were as they were walking away from Jerusalem. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you were holding to each other as you walk? This is Jesus Christ, y'all. This would be like y'all walking down the west side and y'all talking about Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And Jesus coming in like, what y'all talking about right now? Y'all talking about me? Y'all talking about me? Y'all talking about me? He wasn't doing like that. I was just being extra right now. Um, but he says to them, he says, what is this conversation you're talking about that you're holding with each other? And they stood still looking sad at each other. And then one of them named Cleopas that's probably why he was sad, because his name was Cleopas. I'm sorry if you were named Cleopas, or if you name your child Cleopas, you shouldn't do that. I don't know what nationality, I don't know what that is, but don't name your child Cleopas. That's why he was sad. Cleopas answered him, and he said, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know about these things that have happened over the past couple of days? He's like, kind of looking at him like, Are you the only person who don't know what happened to Jesus Christ? What's going on? It was such a big deal that everybody in the city of Jerusalem would have known if you were a believer or if you were a non-believer or not. So in this moment, he's saying to them, and Jesus replies back, what things? What happened? Like he had no idea what was going on and what was taking place. And they said to him concerning Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priest and the rulers delivered them up to be condemned to death and crucified him. This is a key part that we're going to come back to later on in verse 24. He says, but we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. They were sad because they thought that Jesus Christ was the one to redeem Israel and he physically wasn't there anymore. And they thought that this movement was all over. And they said, yes. And besides all of this, it is the third day since these things have happened. And more so, some women of our company, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb in the early morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who went with us to the tomb and found it, just as the women had, but did not see him. So they had been to the tomb and then they left from Jerusalem in this moment in time. Jesus replies back to them. And he just tells them, he says, he says to him, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ that he should suffer these things to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. 
He was talking about how the beginning of the books of Moses, the five first five books from Genesis all the way through, he talks about how from Adam being taken and being uh, given of the fruit and falling away from God and being pulled away from God and right standing in relationship, he stops in that moment and he tells him, hey, listen, Jesus Christ had put into a plan to redeem man who had fallen. Men who had been dead in their trespasses. The prophets who had spoken for years and for years and for years telling about Jesus. He's saying this had to happen so I could be sacrificed and resurrection so I could be the atonement for sin. And he reminds him in this moment as he's speaking with them, as they're, they're walking away from him. He says, no, 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 no. I want you in my sheepfold. As God does with us, he does not forget about us, but he pulls us back into right standing in relationship. So this is what he continues and he says, they, they're about to go, it's getting late at night, and they say, stay with us towards the evening, and during the day, it is so far spent. So Jesus decided to stay with them, and when they went to go sit down at the table, he broke bread with them, and he blessed it, and he gave it to them. And as they were at the table, and then their eyes were open, they recognized Jesus Christ for who he was, and he vanished from their sight and they said to each other did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures and they arose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were gathered together saying the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon then they told them what had happened on the road and that he was known to them by the breaking of the bread and the blessing of the bread. And as all this was happening, Jesus Christ appeared to them in their midst and in the moment of their greatest sorrows. He revealed himself as the risen king. Church, I hope that today, as we read in this story, we see here that it began with the two prisoners and the two criminals who were being um, crucified with Jesus Christ. In that moment, they may have felt broken away from God. They, they felt as though their life didn't matter. And in that moment, the prisoner made a confession of faith and a revelation of who Jesus Christ was, that in the midst of all your life, no matter where you are, he was broken literally on the cross, but Jesus Christ still gave him salvation. And as the disciples, in the same sense, they were walking away from the situation. As you may be a believer, you may be a follower, you may be far away from God, even though you still believe, you may be backslidden. He still met them in their moment. And in the time that they had in fellowship and continuing to take forth unto things that they needed to do, listening and fellowshipping with each other about the scriptures, understanding and talking about Jesus Christ, the breaking of the bread, that they were able to see Jesus Christ in their midst. Church, I pray today that Easter isn't about the baskets. It's not about the goodies. It's not about the candies. Trust me, I'm hyped for them Sour Patch candies I'm gonna steal from KK later on from her Easter basket and if Lauren puts some Easter candy into Naomi's basket you best believe that's my candy because that baby don't need no candy Lauren don't give my baby no candy I'm gonna eat that candy I'm gonna celebrate these things with my family and friends but I want to remember in the midst of my life that Jesus Christ is still with us even though he may feel far away he not only is with us, but he commissioned us that in the time that we have, as we open up the scriptures today, as we take of our holy communion, 
Let our hearts burn in remembrance of who He is and what He has done for us. And I pray that that burning in our heart not only just helps us to remember who He is, but it turns us back to Jesus Christ. A lot of people, they're frustrated and they're um, upset about what is going on with Easter because a lot of people only go to church on two days of the year. They go to church on Easter and they go to church on Christmas. A lot of people are understanding that there is a need for salvation. And this was a great opportunity for them to be able to be brought into the fold of salvation. But just as we see here in this moment, you don't have to have a church to receive salvation. You can be like the criminal. You can feel as though your life is not worth anything at all. And you feel as though you're on your last leg. You feel as though everything around you feels chaotic as the criminal did on the cross. But as you make that confession of faith that Jesus Christ was an innocent man who died for my sins and who can redeem my heart and to bring me salvation, Jesus Christ meets you and he says, I today will see you in paradise. Or maybe you're just like the disciple. Maybe you just got a little bit off path and you're walking away from God. And you're just like, man, I'm, I'm talking about Jesus. I know what's going on. But you're not following him as he needs you to do. Church, listen, the exciting part about Easter for me is the great commission that was given to his believers. The disciples, as they were walking away from God, as it said here in verse chapter 24, verse 24, they said out loud, Cleopas said out loud, but we had hoped that he would redeem Israel. He's saying, I hope that he would redeem us. And bring us about. There are many people who are hoping and praying that Jesus Christ will redeem our city. And we have a risen city because we are a redeemed people. And we are the people who are commissioned now to redeem the city through Jesus Christ. I get excited because it's the knowledge that not only in this moment was I brought into the fold of salvation. But God commissions us with this great commandment to go out and to make disciples of those who are around us to make disciples, to bring people into the kingdom of God. The misunderstanding through all of the Gospels was that we believed that God was going to bring about this kingdom on earth, but God is saying that my kingdom is spiritual and I bring people in, and that those who are from every race, creed, color, and culture are going to be able to be a part of my kingdom of God. But it's a reminder also, as we're living out this life, that we must continue to follow after Jesus Christ. God is wanting us not in the midst of times of silence. He doesn't want us just to sit back in the cut and to fall away, but he wants us to continue. Jesus Christ, as he was having intimate time with his disciples, a couple chapters before, I'm going to read this actually from Matthew 24. There's a really good job of teaching this. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 34. Jesus is having an intimate time and speaking to his disciples. And he's reminding them in this moment, he says that nobody knows the day and the time and the hour in which Jesus Christ is going to come back again. We forget sometimes that Jesus Christ is coming back again a second time. Some people that can be scary it can be fearful. I've had so many conversations about eschatology and the second coming of Christ. And is this the disease that's going to kill the world off? And I'm like, I don't know, y'all. But I quote what Andy Minio says, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. T.D. Jakes back in the day used to be like, y'all better get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. 
But Jesus is teaching to his disciples here in Matthew 24. He says to them, as he's giving them intimate relationship and information about what's going to come down the line, he says to them, he says, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but the father knows only. And this is where we may even kind of be in a lie in, in the and the kind of uh, instruction that he's giving here, he says to them, he says, For as were the days of Noah, so will the, com the coming of man be. And for those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, married, giving into marriage, until that day when Noah entered into the ark. And it says, And they were unaware of the flood before it came, and it swept them all away. So will be the coming of God. So will be the Son of Man as he comes a second time. Then men will be in the field, and one will be taken away, and one left. Two women will be grinding on the mill, and one will be taken away, and one will be left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. For know thus, that if the master of his house had known what part of the night the thief was going to come, he would have stayed awake, and he would have not let the house been broken into. Therefore you must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not accept or expect. Church, I pray as we're living out as New Testament Christian believers that we stay ready and we stay motivated to do the works of God. Church, I know it's hard sometimes. In America, we, we've got a great opportunity for evangelism. We've got great resources that we can give. And I also think sometimes to my brothers and sisters, when I get frustrated in ministry, when, when I start to think about how our church risen city after a year, we were experiencing this growth and we're experiencing this, 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 um, this understanding that we're going to do so much work in our community. I got frustrated and aggravated. I had to remember to myself, I'm thankful that we still have the means to come together in fellowship, even if it's via the Internet, when there were still churches across the world who were in persecution there are churches across the world that cannot meet, and we get frustrated because we got to watch something on Facebook Live. Church, I pray that we stay awake and ready for when God comes back and sends his son for a second time to redeem us all. I pray today that we're not fearful for the second coming, but I pray today that we're joyful because we know that Jesus Christ has given us salvation. We know that we can celebrate his second coming when it does come because we have been redeemed by the power of the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus Christ up from the grave and that when it is our time to go, I pray that we had a life that glorified God in every aspect and that when we see Jesus Christ in God, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray that we're encouraged by Easter to continue to move forward. As we know the Easter story, as we saw that Jesus Christ suffered for us, we know that we're going to have to suffer for the sake of the gospel. But let his Holy Spirit sustain us. As the disciples were walking down the street, they were saying that we hope that Jesus Christ would come and redeem Israel. And he did, and he has. He has redeemed Israel and all of his people of our sins. All men have been redeemed when they come to the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. But he's commissioned us to go out and to make disciples and to bring new believers into the fold. And I pray today that we remember that great call and that great commandment. But I pray today also as we prepare, and if you're taking communion at home, if you want to take a moment to get with your, your family, your friends, or whoever you're doing it with, if you want to get your elements together, we remember and we're motivated by Jesus Christ 
dying on the cross for us. We remember that he sacrificed himself willingly for us. And before he took the cross, he put forth into the Lord's Supper. And it says here in Luke chapter 22, and in verse 19, he says, He took the bread, and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten, and he said, This cup is poured out for you as the new covenant. Today, as you prepare your elements, as we're going to be taking our communion right now, that no different than the disciples who are walking down the road as they were breaking bread and they were about to fellowship, that in this moment, I pray that our heart burns in remembrance of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us and knowledge that he has not abandoned us. But today we celebrate the resurrection because he is a risen king. So in this moment, let's take of our bread and we remember the broken body that was on the cross for us. And we remember that he gave himself sacrificially for our sake. So I'm going to pray over the body. God, we thank you this day for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that you sacrificially gave yourself willingly so we can have life. I pray that we don't take communion lightly. I pray that we don't take the cross lightly. And I pray that we don't take the resurrection lightly, God. But I pray that in this moment as we're breaking the bread, that we remember your broken bodies. We remember our broken bodies and selves and our transgressions and the sins that were against you. But you still decided to die for us because we are worthy. God, I pray today, that as we look with our family and friends, that we grow in that fellowship with each other and worshiping you as we may be far apart as a church, but we are still one body. Let's take of our bread. Next, as it says here in Luke 22 and verse 20, it says, After that they had eaten of the bread, the body that they had eaten to remember Jesus Christ, he said to them, Likewise, take this cup. This cup is poured out for you. This is the new covenant of my blood. The new covenant was brought forth to be able to say that salvation will come through Jesus Christ. And for those who believe that he was that he died for our sins and that his body was broken and that his blood is a new covenant that covers all of our sins. No longer do you live by the old sacrifices, the type and shadows that were showing Jesus Christ, but we have the high and the holy priest who sacrificed himself for us. And as we take of the wine, the juice, is a representation of the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray over this. God, we thank you for the blood that was shed for our redemption of sin. God, we thank you for the love that you have for us that kept you on the cross. And even in the midst of you being on the cross and dying for all people, you still in the moment when the prisoner turned to you, you gave him redemption of his sin and brought him into the fold of salvation. God, I pray today that any of us who feel as though our sin and the life that we are living is too far away from God, that you remind them that your blood covers all of their sin and that you bring them into the fold of God. You bring them into this family and you cover them with your grace. God, I pray today that those who are far away from God, that they can make a confession of faith. They can make a moment of time and saying, God, I know I'm far away, but we know that your blood 
and your new covenant covers our sins. God, I pray today that we don't take lightly the blood that was shed for us, but I pray today that it helps us to understand that we are worth and we have value and your grace covers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, as we take of the wine and the juice. Church, I'm thankful for um, the opportunity to come on Easter Sunday. I hope that you guys enjoy this beautiful overcasted day. Um, I pray that as you guys are enjoying a somber Easter, that you celebrate the same way you would celebrate in corporate worship to God. You don't have to have a fancy production to give your praise to God. You don't have to have 50 billion people. You don't have to have everyone watching. But I pray today, even if it's just in the moment in time that you stop and you talk with God intimately and you ask him and you talk with him and you pray to him and you praise him for what he has done for us. And I pray that you come to an understanding as you ask him, what does this salvation mean for my life? What does it mean? Because the cross and the tomb was a pivoting point of a new covenant for us as believers to take forth the word out to the world around them. We are a part of the process in the redemption of Israel as we are telling our brothers and sisters that they no longer have to live in the lifestyle of the world. But I pray today that we are motivated by what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. 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 I appreciate everyone who's gotten alive. I appreciate this. I'm going to go home and enjoy some time with my family. Um, praise God. We'll be back next week. Um, we're going to continue on with our um, series, The Invisible War, as we're going through the full armor of God. I pray that you guys will join us on the Facebook Live. Stay connected. Um, we'll, we will do a midweek Zoom call for all of our um, Risen City members and stuff like that. So we'll send that out this week, and you guys can get on the call and see baby Naomi. Hope she doesn't pee and poop over something and a little KK. But we love you guys, and we pray that you guys have a great weekend. We're going to sing the doxology if you want to sing with me. Um, and then we'll be out of here. And one, and two, and three. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Grace and peace be to you. We'll catch you guys next week. God bless. Let me turn off. Look at this. How do I do this?